Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Tabletop Cyberpunk. My name is John John the Wise. This is the podcast about Cyberpunk 2020 and Red, the tabletop games. Thank you for joining me. We have another amazing guest with us today. But before we get into that, make sure you guys join that Discord community. The link will be in the description below. It's an awesome community where we talk about cyberpunk. If you're a fan of this podcast, you're like, I know, John, I'm either in the Discord or fine, I'll I'll finally join. And (laughs) make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast if you're watching on YouTube. Hello. If you're just listening, go to the YouTube. I got some cool stuff for Cyberpunk Red coming out. I'm working hard on it. And follow me on social media, John John the Wise. I'm on all of them. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. I'm on them. Let's connect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me a legend in the cyberpunk community, Mr. Seth Skorkowski. Hello. (laughs) No, see, this is what I wanted to get into. You might not think you're a legend in the community, but I'm in the communities. We talk, we share links, we do. Everybody always links your stuff. All your stuff, your your stuff on your modules, your Scott Brown, like all that stuff is like in the zeitgeist to the cyberpunk community and everybody loves everything you do. So you're a legend, whether you okay, like it or well, not. I'll give you the Easter eggs. I want you to drop these on them before they, your podcast airs, man. Okay. So if you want to know how, how deep I am in the cyberpunk community, uh, do you ever go to Data Fortress 2020? Oh, yeah, yeah. Run by Derek Bernier, right? All right. Yeah. 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 I, um, in my first novel, I have a, I have one little mention of Derek's name in there. It's kind of like our little thing in red, just a mm. short little drop. Uh, so years ago, back when I was very active on there. Uh, so if you open up Interlock Unlimited, I am listed on the contributors. Oh, interesting. If you look at the author for Drug Lab Unlimited. Uh, so like that was my very first tabletop cred was I, I rewrote Drug Lab Unlimited for Data Fortress 2020 because oh. our game was a pure street punk gutter punk game and uh so i was i was using all the 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 drug lab rules and it was like there's stuff missing there's stuff missing we yeah. want to do it because um that was though they were squatting in all these abandoned buildings you know when scott brown came and raided their place uh so we i i designed all the the drug labs for uh interlock unlimited so and if you look at, uh, Derek had a map that he did for a while of the expanded Night City. And he did it with like Google Earth images. It looked beautiful. There's a Skorkowski Hill oh, south nice. of the combat zone. <laughs> and I like, that was like such a victory for me that I'm like, the, the Data Fortress 2020 site, I had a Skorkowski Hill. There's like nine guys on that website ever. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, famous. <laughs> No, I mean, so for the longest uh, time, that was, like, one of the only resources out there. And when there was, like, this giant resurgence with, you know, the CDPR game, everyone was like, okay, where can we find info? You Google, and this weird-ass GeoCities-type site pops up. So that's people's first... Site. Yeah, yeah, but who cares? I mean, it, that's that's part of the flavor is that old taste, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In, uh, when Pondsmith started working on Red several years before it was announced, uh, Derek's site crashed, mm. and he couldn't figure out why. And what it was is, is, is he was talking to CD Projekt Red, and he sent them there. He said, I want you to study this. If you want to know what cyberpunk is, you guys need to use this for research. So then, so then he reached out to Derek to apologize because like, he's like, I'm sorry, your, your website couldn't handle 
all the traffic oh. that I sent there. Wow. So, That's what happened. So Derek was like, dude, they're making a video game. <laughs> like, like, how do you know? It's like, Hans Smith told me is his apology. <laughs> so I did like later when the first um, uh, trailer dropped and everything. But I mean, so we're talking well before the trailer came out is that was how uh, we found out like the, the four or five of us that was on the website was oh my it God. Just bombed one day and because uh, it just exceeded whatever its monthly bandwidth allotment was in about three minutes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, my experience was so surreal because Cyberpunk 2020 was the first RPG I ever got into. And I'm sorry to my listeners for repeating this story like for the hundredth time. But I told my friend one day, like, hey, what's this uh, role-playing Dungeons & Dragons stuff? It seems like something I'd, I'd like to do. So what is it? And he's like, Dungeons & Dragons are for pussies, John. And he pulled out Cyberpunk 2020 and Symbiata's Rifts as, like, the one-two punch. So I was like, okay, whatever. You're the guy that knows this stuff. So if this is the better game, let's do it. And whatever. Fast forward. Um, D&D 5e comes out. Everyone's playing D&D. And I'm like, hey, you guys want to try out this game? It's cyberpunk. It was made in the 90s. They're like, what? What are you talking about, dude? No one wants to play that stupid game. Then all of a sudden, I look, and there's this trailer for this cyberpunk game. And I'm like, I'm dumbfounded. Dumbfounded, like completely. It was insane. I, can't, I couldn't believe that, that people were into it, you know? That first trailer... Um... It's got the music to bullets and it's got the girl in the street. I know you've seen it 500 times like me. And uh, what I loved was like the stock tickers at the bottom. And I could recognize all the company names and the stock tickers and like the picture of alt in a window that's, that's far behind her. And like, you know, Arasaka on the side of the the gun. Like, so that was the stuff that, that really, really got me. And then when they dropped the, uh, the later one where, where Johnny Silverhand was in it, fact that i recognized plugging in i have never heard that song before in my life but i had read the lyrics in the cyberpunk 2020 book so many times that you know when you could hear that voice shriek it'd say holy god i know the words to the song that i've never actually heard with my ears so or like he walks past i think in one of the ads you can see the uh, the night city subway or um uh bus route map oh my that's god straight out of the 2020 book it's just colorized because oh we god. never had a color version and it's like oh these little easter eggs so uh when red comes out i will probably be spending most of my time looking for references to the old game that it yeah. will be a very slow process because i'm like did you know that on this manhole in this alleyway it says this because that's all I was looking for. So I know, uh, no, I it's the same. That detail. No, it's the same. I know I'm gonna the I'm it's gonna take me forever to finish the game because I'm gonna be like, oh my god, what does it say on that sign? Zoom in. They showed that there's like a photo mode. I'm gonna take photos and I mean <laughs> it's all the stuff like you know, you play like Skyrim and other video games, and those little things are neat when you look at them, the lore pieces, the books and stuff like that. But I'm not as invested in those stories as I am in a tabletop game that I've spent countless hours playing, you know? So I want to know everything. I want to know what the inside of an Arasaka building looks like. Like the bathroom, the janitor's closet, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So Makes sense. 
Yeah, exactly. But I wanted to ask you actually about the uh, Scott Brown thing because Scott Brown is one of those like legendary things in the cyberpunk community. And it's so perfect. It's so cyberpunk because you take like an everyday thing, like a real estate company that's kind of mundane, really, and you cyberpunk it. And it becomes like the Scott Brown. Get the fuck out of here. I got a fucking showing. <laughs> I love that, dude. I I was so apprehensive about even posting that video because it's like, oh, this is so lame. Nobody's going to care. I'm just really? Time. No so like, way. Yeah, wow. So even, even after I recorded it, I was like, oh, this is so lame. And then it, then it blew up. It was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, it, it, any of my videos that really blew up uh, are, are, are pretty much always the ones that like, this no one's gonna like this one, and mm-hmm. like the ones that I'm like, man, people are gonna love this. Those are the ones that like just bomb. So I, evidently, I have no idea what my audience wants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, so Scott Brown was local, and well, technically they still are, and because um, uh, I don't I don't live in Denton, but I'm still in the same county, and mm-hmm. so their signs are everywhere. For a while, I was trying to figure out how to work up the nerve to like walk into their home office and just ask them for a bunch of swag. Mm-hmm. Like, just have like coffee cups and pencils and shirts, and whatever, everything. Like, like, <laughs> can I have absolutely everything that has your name stenciled on it? Because we would. You know, if if we could like play the game on like Scott Brown letterhead with Scott Brown pencils and drink out of Scott Brown cups, oh. that would have been like the most awesome thing ever. But it's like, and ask me why, and I don't know how to answer this. It's so like, hard. And you have to explain what tabletop games are. World, yeah. You're badass. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are scary. So, yeah. But, um, yeah. For a while, do they know now? Do they know now? Like they, the situation. They have to. There yeah. is no way, uh, because it the the video got popular with a lot of people that play cyberpunk or were interested in cyberpunk, and um, but then also the people around Denton, Texas, because they are literally all over that town, mm-hmm. um, saw it. So it it was it circulated with just people in Denton because um, for a lot of people they're their landlords. So that yeah, makes sense. I'm sure that somebody has some complaints about like, like, Oh, my landlords is like, well, there's a video about like what, what, you know, gun crazy you know, <laughs> freaks they are. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think waiting. they're, uh, I don't think their official slogan is get the fuck out of here. I got, <laughs> I got a viewing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I am sure that at some office meeting at some point somebody has uttered that and then like everybody else was like what and they <laughs> pulled up this youtube video so uh you know i i at least changed their logo when i put them on the shirts that i sell because i didn't want to actually take their logo so i'd like made something that was kind of like the same size and um yeah but i've been kind of quietly waiting for like some sort of like cease and desist or you know, like, yeah, that's true. Something, but, um, evidently they're taking it in good stride, but yeah, you know, for years after that, we would, even the people that weren't in that session, we'd like to see the Scott Brown signs. We're like, Scott Brown, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 That's, (laughs) that's so funny, man. That's like that, uh, Chappelle show, uh, 
um rick james bitch dave Chappelle oh, yeah. said everywhere he went people he's like with his family and be like i'm rick james bitch and he's like dude i'm with my kids you know like <laughs> <laughs> i wonder has that happened to you like where you're with your family and someone's like i'm scott brown bitch i have not had that i i did have i um so right before lockdown happened i was at a convention up in massachusetts called total con and uh, I joined in a game of uh, of Cyberpunk 2020. Hmm. They advertised it as red, so I was like, "Oh my god!" And um, the guy that was running it was one of the people who was helping write it, and uh, he uh, he does a game where they have actually used the same PCs at multiple conventions, but it's actually got a timeline. If you die, that character is permanently out of the rotation. So, like, oh. he hands me this character that's like gone through the convention circuit for like or four years and i'm like oh well no pressure because they're like oh he's got so and so like oh my god like because a lot of people this is their part of the event it's just to get to play this game with him and uh one of the guys like opened up his shirt and he had a scott brown shirt at at the (laughs) table that i was sitting at i was like well this is this is getting weird it's funny (laughs) dude that's great i mean it's cool what can you do i mean that's the best form of uh compliment you know yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad people enjoyed it. So, like I said, I, the whole time I was recording that, it's like people are going to think this video is so lame because it's just, yeah, for us that was there, it was, it was so hilarious because their reactions were so absolute terror. Is it's like this guy kicks open the door, and I didn't know what he was going to do up until the instant that he did it. It was like, okay, he's going to go up to the door. What's going to happen? It's like. But there's like an rudimentary alarm. It's got a bunch of cans and that falls down. It's like, okay, what happens next? Like, fuck it. He's just going to go for it. And like, so I was, I was like just as surprised as them. Cause I didn't have any plan in place before that moment. Um, the one thing I did not ever put in the video is um, he had a, a tear gas grenade that left the lingering scent of uh, uh, freshly baked cookies. Whoa. I don't know if you know that there's a, there's a thing that real estate agencies used to do, like when they're showing a house, if they're having like a day where they're doing a lot of showings, they will cook chocolate chip cookies in the oven to one, make the place smell more homey, mm-hmm. but two, cover up any smell of like just musty decay, mold, you know, like old person smell empty for months. Yeah. So like, so yeah, he like, he threw in a tear gas grenade that like after it did its tear gas thing would leave this lingering smell of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's another huge cyberpunk thing. You take something <laughs> mundane and you put it in a grenade. That's what <laughs> cyberpunk is. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, personally, the that's the kind of stuff that is per- awesome about cyberpunk because it is a grim, dark world. And obviously there's, I've noticed there's like a huge overlap in the fandom of people that like cyberpunk, also like Warhammer and Call of Cthulhu, where it's like everything is dog shit. Everybody's dying. People are being tortured and nothing is funny. But then you add these like little things here and there because you can't help it. You're with your buddies and you got to make something fun and funny about it, you know? Well, I mean, we, we, we do it to have fun. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. At the end of the day, that's the whole, we're sitting around, we're, we're playing with a bunch of, you know, little pieces of dice and we're probably eating more calories than we, we have any business being around. And it should be 
laughing and it should be stupid jokes. Um, it should just be vulgar and juvenile and, and, and just damn fun. And yeah. that's really what it's about. And um, I, I think the reason they also have a lot of the overlap in those games um cyberpunk one of the one of the things that drew it to me is you have to be smart mm. to survive yeah um so i started with dnd dnd was my primary game for uh, 17 years before i turned cyberpunk into my primary game like we had played a few games of it and when i finally hit my um my my limit i burned out and, like i burned out like Boom. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm, I'm wow, done. Really? Uh, Do you know what level we, we you were? Where, what's what, like how far into the game you think were you? Well, at, at that particular campaign, there were like eighth or ninth level, but okay. I just, you know, a lot of little frustrations because you've been playing it for so long. You know it so well that a lot of times you can just kind of like have a blind eye to certain things that are mm. frustrating. And finally they just all welled up and it was mixed with, um, I made a lot of mistakes as a GM. Like whenever I do my videos on like Game Master Sins and I'm like, I have done every one of these. I'm yeah, not kidding. And, me too. Uh, and I and I have done every one of them that I still haven't lynched listed yet. Um, and then my players uh, were doing a lot of things that were bad. And I was like, you know what? I can change my habits. And a lot of what they're doing wrong is a reaction to mine. Uh, but I can't change this system. Mm-hmm. And like, so we just went to Cyberpunk. But with that game, you have to play smart or your character will die. Yeah. yeah. So there's no, I stand at the same spot and I swing my axe until they drop because I've got more hit points than them and the cleric can just heal me. It is like guns come out. It's like, I'm diving for cover. You know, I'm doing this. I'm, you know, we're thinking and a bullet can drop you. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you think and there's strategy and, uh, you know, at first when we, we first converted, like, of course we had like an insane fatality rate, like right out the gate. Yeah. And then once they're like, yeah, I think I know what to do. And like, and then we would have characters that lasted a very long time because we had to play it. Like, what do you do when a guy pulls out an assault rifle with a chainsaw on the bottom of it? You yeah. get out of his way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And, um, that led, that led to a, several years of a lot of very fun games, but yeah. uh, so I didn't enter it the same way you did. I I, uh, I entered it as a it was a side game for a long time, and then I finally switched it to our primary after. I think I've been playing Cyberpunk for about ten years before I made it my primary game. Oh wow, interesting! I know that you also use the uh, interlock system for uh, I, th- I believe a Call of Cthulhu game that you decided that you didn't like the dice mechanics, so you. I forgot exactly what what it was. I saw a video of yours in the past that you did something like that. So, so we got really into the the interlock unlimited. That's so, what it was. Uh, so for a couple of years, uh, we would do like these weird one off like one shot zombie games, and I would just take the cyberpunk rules. It's like okay, it takes place in the modern day, so all that cyber's out, and we've got the the you know you roll a one, you hit him in the head, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. And um, then when we got Interlock Unlimited, it was like so open because there wasn't a class skill anymore. It was like your your class skill just affected two real skills, but there was no like, 
you can't do this because you don't have that profession, which that was the one level-based thing that was ever left in Cyberpunk 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, so we did that with Interlock and Limited, and we loved it. And then we first went to fantasy game. My players were missing fantasy. Yeah. And it's like, we'll do this with Interlock. So like we did it with plate mail and at all of that. And I, I helped... Uh, I never finished all of the magic rules that's uh, on there and it did not work as well as I had hoped just because the, the melee is a lot slower in cyberpunk and it is agonizing when you're using plate mail and swords. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It, like it didn't work as well. So we did that for like, I don't know, like nine months, a year or somewhere in there. And I discovered um, like call of Cthulhu type of games I just didn't want to learn a new system. I pretty much uh -huh. was like, this game is perfect. So we, we converted it over and my players didn't want to learn a new system. It was like, we know this, we don't want to learn this other thing. Um, and we did that. And a lot of it was like trying to reinvent the freaking wheel, you know, of like converting yeah. this game that you're kind of familiar with, but I would actually do several scenarios with it. And, um, and, and that actually worked very well. And then fifth edition D and D came out. And I got talked into running that for a year and all of my gripes about D and D were like, I'm just still there. And, yeah. you know, after a year, it was like, this is the perfection of, of D and D. I think I really am a fan of fifth edition. I love it too. Like, and I agree. I think it's one, I think it's one of the best RPGs ever made for sure. It's very clean. It's very approachable. It is not my jam, mm -hmm. but it is like, it's like you guys, you guys made D&D &D great. Fortunately, it's not my jam. Yeah. And we, uh, and I was right about the time 7th edition Call of Cthulhu released. Mm -hmm. And I read that and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm coming home. So we went, <laughs> we went straight into that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had this weird journey, but a lot of it included the parts where it's like, this is the only system I will play and I will force everything to fall into that system. And then never works as well as a game designed for it. Yeah, I noticed that de definitely with Cyberpunk 2020, it's a 30-year-old game. People are still playing it to this day. Even after Red coming out, there's people like, oh, I'm just going to stick to 2020. And that's because I believe that the amount of homebrew that not only did we do, but encouraged to do by the books. I mean, there's literally sentences in the supplements that are like, do things on your own. It's all good. And I think because of that, people have like curated this perfect game of like, Everything works exactly the way they want it to. They homebrewed all the little rules. And to learn a brand new system when you have this thing that, like you said, it's a perfect system, it kept people in that, in that mode, you know? And so I haven't, I haven't actually played Red yet. I've, I've read the rules. You know, I've made my, 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 my initial character and, and tooled around with it and chatted with some of my, uh, my old players for it. And this is so lame. One of the reasons I'm putting it off is I don't want to do this one just over online. Uh, uh, I get you, man. I, when we first learned how to play Cyberpunk 2020, my buddy Jesse, like we sat on the floor of his crappy apartment mm -hmm. with some dice and we learned how to do combat in Cyberpunk. And this is 21 years ago. Well, Jesse still plays with me. We're best men in each other's weddings. So it's wow. like, the fucker, we are doing this. We yeah. are like, I still have those same miniatures. We are going to put them in an alley and just kill each other until we get this combat. Dude, map. don't tell me you we have those. Uh, you still have those grenadier miniatures? 
Yeah. Oh shit, those are like uh lost treasures, man. Oh, yeah, they're like in a case like one foot in front of me on the Oh, table. that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's great. That's like one of those things that you can never find. I'm hoping like I'll go by a garage sale and there's like an old grognard there that's like here just take it. <laughs> I uh the only one I never got. Like the one thing that I did not get and unfortunately the, the demand is so high I'll never get it. Um, is the Nomad on the Cyberbike. I ended up with the other one that came in that blister pack, but I never got the actual Nomad on the Cyberbike. So that's the only hole in my entire Grenadier Cyberpunk uh, line is that one damn miniature. So, All right, deal. If I find it, I'm sending it to you. If I find (laughs) it. All right? You have my word. yeah, you know, sometimes like on eBay, it'll tell you like, oh, yeah, we had this like a week ago. I did have that like been like a year or so since I looked. I just typed it in. It's like it closed last week and uh. somebody bought it for like 15 bucks. Like, son of a bitch. Uh. <laughs> I've been looking for that for years. I would have gone to war with that person for oh, it. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, that's that's the way of the, the eBay. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I saw someone I, uh, posted a interface magazine for like 1500 bucks, which yeah, the, those things were like 10 bucks when they came out, right? Or something like that. I've got like four over there. Yeah. I mean, I should have flipped this around the other side of the room where all my cyberpunk books are. <laughs> it's all right. I believe you. <laughs> um, my um, my uh, Land of the Free still in the shrink wrap. I've never opened it. Ooh, that's so nice. Maybe I, should, maybe I should sell that one on eBay. Like, Because you know, when I got it, it was in the shrink wrap. It's like, it feels sacrilegious to open it. Mm. and it's like well if i ever get in the mood to like run this type of campaign i'll open it so I oh have you know what idea you should definitely you should open that and run it because from straight out of jay gray uh i agree with him you can totally run that in red you just have to change a few things around up the timeline but the same campaign can easily be run in red yeah that's it's it's there all shrink wrapped up and pretty um but I uh, I think I was only like two interfaces I didn't have, and then I was uh, that would have been like my whole collection, maybe just one interface. Yeah, I even had um, the vampire book, uh, Night's Edge. Yeah, yeah, Night's Edge. Yeah, we did that. Um, but the guy that ran it was uh, running uh, a lot of World of Darkness, so he like amped it up. Mm. So we were playing, and we did it uh, modern day instead of twenty twenty. But you know, we went through Night's Edge. That was a fucking fun game yeah i had you know he i i guess he has some sort of gm paralysis or just life happened and he just stopped running them and like it ended with our characters like we we're down in like mexico city looking for some you know job and like we've got a boss and i would just occasionally email him and my like my character emailing his boss like like it was, it was this crazy russian it was like you know Hey, hey, Victor! You know we're we're still in Mexico City. I'm working at a taco stand. You know we are waiting for our further orders. <laughs> I kind of give like this whole history of what our three characters are doing. Yeah, as we're waiting for, why did you send us to Mexico City? It is he would respond. And he'd be like, "I'll get to it." He moved away in 2008, so I don't think I'm ever going to find out what the hell was waiting for us in Mexico City. Man, that's that's the story of like so many. 
so many games, right? I've noticed because of all your videos, you have so many subjects that you touch on. That's why I've been such a big fan of yours. And I could sincerely say that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for you and Guy Sklanders. Because you guys have inspired me like, oh, people are interested in hearing this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of your videos are like problem players, mistakes that GMs make. And that just tells me that you've been through the ringer of like problem players, the edgelord, the, the, all that stuff. Like, I mean, do you have, you have a good group now, right? You have like a solid group after all these years. Oh, well, my group, uh, is, has been curated for a long time. So yeah. Um, in, in college, I guess when I was 20, I, I, I transferred off, uh, to the university of North Texas and we were against a group it was like seven of us. Um, one of them I'm now married to the other is my best friend. They are still with me. Wow. So, um, we're about to have, uh, our, our 22nd anniversary in January. We started in January of 99 is when our first game was. Wow. And, um, then I got my buddy, George, who's played with me since I think 2008. Uh, Sean, who was the new guy. I started with this is like 2014 and then we brought in like our millennial buddy, Steven, who's like the new guy. And he's only been with us for like a year. Wow. So, That's crazy. Um, a lot of those stories I tell you about problem players. Some of them are, are actually referencing people that I am currently playing with. I'm just talking about habits they did mm. or, or we'll talk about people that I d did play with that I'm no longer uh, playing with. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've, I've been I've been gaming since I was 13, so I've pretty much seen it all. And that's why I'm like, if there is a GM mistake out there, I I will bet cash money. I've done it. Yeah, um, like, I've also noticed that uh, some of those players that are problem players are just trying to have fun their own way, and I'm the one that can't handle. I was the one with the problem, really. Like for the best example is my one of my players. He's like a rules lawyer. And we've had all kinds of butting heads in the past, in my D&D &D game in the past, in our cyberpunk game. And then we finally hit like this volcanic eruption of an argument. And it was a positive thing because at the end of it, I came to realize like, no, dude, he just wants to have fun. I want to have fun. We need to find some common ground. And ever since I did that, we've had such an amazing relationship with it. I, I will say in this... <sighs> This is one of those things like so there's certain gym advice I hate giving on the internet because I'm always <laughs> going to have somebody try to argue with me. Yeah. It's like when I talk about bad players and they're like, well, that's not a thing. It's like, dude, do you not think that I have like three stories for each problem player or person I talk about? Like, come yeah. on. But uh, how often you, know, you, you kind of at this point, it's like, I got this GM thing down. And then all of a sudden you realize that somehow you did that like you you kind of got lazy and you, you shifted so like all of a sudden like you don't realize it but all of a sudden you you did a game and you're like trying to railroad a situation and you're like how the hell did i get here because i know not to do this i've known not to do this for years yeah, yeah. i tell people on the internet not to do this and it like it's like kind of like you're in the middle of it and it's like oh shit like, when did this happen like how, how did this happen so a lot of the times, yeah, like you, you'll realize that like, ah, oh, this guy's pissing me off. And then you're like, wait, no, 
it's me. Yeah. It's me. That's, that's the problem. And damn it. And you're like, cause yeah. you're like half the time you knew better and you had even lectured how you knew better. And then like you, you let your guard down and some weird old habit slipped in or whatnot. Um, I, I refuse to believe you will ever find a, a, a perfect GM that does not just screw the pooch every once in a while and just mess up with stuff they should have done better. And like, I, I don't believe it's possible, but yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I agree <laughs> completely. No, I've, I felt that as soon as you get that arrogant feeling that you're, you can get complacent because you're like, Oh, I can handle any situation. Then you realize that you didn't do the, you didn't respect your players' time. They came to the table. They were ready to play. They had an expectation of you, and you got complacent. And then that's the worst, man. My conscience kills me after those games. And even when the players are like, "No, oh, man, it's all good. We had fun anyway. It's all good." I'm still, I, I, I hate it, man. I will have a full blown depression if I run like a game that I, I messed up. Like, uh, like, like I will be like down for like a week. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, oh, everybody took time out of their lives. Cause for us, like a game day is like a full day. Yeah. We like, have kids. I, I messed it up. Yeah. 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 So we, it's like, like once a month we do, um, noon until like 10 ish. Wow. That's, that's a mega it, gaming dude. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interrupted by people talking about their kids and their jobs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Blah blah blah, and like a meal sometimes too. Uh, but for us, it's like an all day thing. So if 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 it comes around to that, and I'm the reason that messes up, oh, I I I do not take it well uh, yeah. because I, I feel like such an ass. Because uh, I, I did have one, I think, in. August or July, I had a game that I I did bad on. I hadn't had a I had screwed a game up that bad in a long time. It was all stuff I knew better than to do, yeah. and I don't know how the hell I got the situation where I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't know why I think that's a good idea, but I'm going to do it. And guess what happened? So I know. Well, I had that recently actually because and what had happened was it was with my guys. We were recording the game. And it was supposed to be this big ass warehouse fight where like they raid a warehouse, they get a booster gang to help them out. And the inside are a bunch of corporate goons and they're all outnumbered. I mean, they're outnumbered like three to one. That's how many bad guys. There's a full Borg in there too. So it was going to be this epic. Oh shit. I know. Yeah. It was going to be great. He had a rocket launcher. Like I was like, someone's going to die. And in fact, one of my players got down to two HP. That's how, that's how close it got. And I just screwed the pooch, man. Like, I was taking too long rolling for each guy. I should have done group rolls. I forgot about all the, like, cool stuff that I added in in my notes. I didn't look at my notes. And it was just, it didn't, the execution was terrible. And then right when we were about to finish, my power went out. And I lost the episode. I know. <laughs> it was it was like literally at the end i was saying bye i was like all right guys see you later we'll see you on the next one boom everything in my house shuts off some guy crashed into a transformer nearby uh near my house and so it was like a whole thing and i realized like it sucks that i lost the episode but it was so poorly executed that i'm kind of glad i lost the episode 
and then the players were random bad driver i know i know it was like an act of god and my players were like oh so should we do it again and i'm like dude there's nothing worse than doing that going back all the surprises are gone and having to do it again just for my youtube channel fuck that dude so i so i I actually talked about the one and that was one of the ones people like that doesn't happen but the what i called a rerun game yeah because yeah, it's a, it's it's never like as literal as the the example sketch because I do the example sketches all like over the top because that's funny. Yeah. Um. Of like, but I have had games where it's like this is clearly an adventure like that you wrote and that you're really proud of. We've done this before, mm-hmm. even though like the window dressing's a little different, but like. The, the same surprises are going to happen or like when people are like can you run us through this module again like what the hell are you talking yeah. about you, you would not enjoy ever doing that shit again that no. would be uh because it's not like a movie where the exact same stuff happens at uh no no that's just no enjoy the moment enjoy the game if you can record it cool if not cool if it's a bad game hopefully somebody will hit a tree and you don't have to worry about it i know right (laughs) (laughs) yeah no the way we chalked it up to i told my viewers like hey there's a lost episode power went out this is the summary of what happened we're picking up from there all right and that's it and no one's complained everybody understands and i'm just like i'll just do a better job from now on that's it and that's it that's what we did as long as you guys have fun um that one of the things that 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 does concern me when it comes to a lot of streamers is that they might forget that fundamental part of it which is have fun yeah because yeah they've got all these other things they're worried about like their audience and you know playing up for the camera it's like as long as you have fun that's quite literally the only part that actually matters the rest of it is just cool spoilers so or or, you know little neat features but yeah see the way i've remedied that because i let's get into that because i want to ask you because i know you don't do actual plays you don't like record it and put it on your youtube channel that's not something you're interested in doing and in fact i think that people most people don't even really enjoy watching those things i can tell from just viewership of not just my channel other channels there's like a group that likes that and then there's a group that doesn't and there's also a group that doesn't like recording you know so i've found that i like doing the recording and i used to do it live unedited have a chat talk to the chat do the game and i realized like that's just so much on my plate that i'm losing the fun aspect of it i'm losing the focus where i'm playing with my boys you know and I realized, like, no, we're going to pre-record. And I've told my the guys, like, hey, we're just playing. If this episode sucks, I won't put it up. I don't care. But we're here to play. So if we have fun, then we have fun. And it'll go up and it'll be organic. But I'm not going to put up something just for the sake of putting something up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you, why don't you, why don't you do uh, actual plays and stuff like that? Um, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but I'll tell you the, the, the biggest and the final one, my players don't want to mm. like, yeah. Cause I, I have had people that have like 
tried to debate or argue the point, like like somehow bully me into it. Really? <laughs> I, I picture that these are the same dudes that when they go on Instagram and they see a cute girl is like, send me nudes, send me nudes. You're <laughs> obligated to send me nudes. Like I, I picture like these are the same people Yeah. Um, because I've been told that because I, I tell people how to GM that I am now obligated to, to demonstrate like, yeah, I don't know. But the short answer is, uh, my players unanimously do not want that. So like, like not even like one of them is like, hold up, like none of us. Yeah. Um, and there's a few reasons. One game days are our days. Yeah. Be children. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, like we, we get together once a month. If we might do like a, uh, like a side game, one shot, another day a month, we're real lucky. We get two sessions in a month, but I think we get like that two months out of the year. We'll get like 15 normal sessions a year. Mm-hmm. And you know, those are our days that we just get to be kids. Nobody has to deal with their jobs. Nobody has to deal with their kids. None of that. We are all old friends. We are some of the most vulgar, horrible people. Like <laughs> cards against humanity and got shit on us. Oh, uh, man. I'd love like, to I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Because <laughs> we let our hair down and it's like, okay, this is us, a bunch of old best friends. You know, the Thunderdome is open. Yeah. Let's go. And so we don't want to have camera or a microphone in the room because that would feel intrusive on our time to be just buddies and, and yeah. hanging out um, because yeah, we will have it in the middle of a, like a middle of a scene. Somebody will be like, Oh God, I didn't tell you about that thing that, that happened with my wife. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll pause the game. If somebody tells us the story about something, you know, and it's like, I don't want to have to I'd like, if, if there's an audience, nobody's going to share some of those little personal things going on. Yeah. Um, you know, also we're in a world where a 10 year old tweet could cause you to lose your job mm-hmm. and yeah, out of context I, I, I and everything yeah. out, out of context. And I would hate some sound bite of, of, of something that, uh, that one of my players said, who's you know, 43 years old. And all of a sudden, like it, it didn't it, sign up it, for this shit. their career. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. so, so you know, game days are our our days. Um, I I don't want to feel like we have to play it up for an audience that I should have to care about anyone else in the universe except for the people that are in that room with me. Yeah, and that's that's kind of our our, our philosophy on it. But you know, that's that's our thing. I I once did entertain even before I started the YouTube channel. I once in, did entertain idea of putting a microphone in the room then editing it down and recreating it with sock puppets with the audio just because we used to have a player that would just say some of the craziest stuff (laughs) and and so like the original idea was like i was gonna have sock puppets just going along with it and i was gonna have like a camera just kind of spinning around like on that 70s show of them doing their thing yeah yeah. okay well when this is when uh, this is when, when Chuck goes off on like one of his twenty minute stories because he would he would do the thing where you tell a story and it leads to another story, another story, another story. It's like twenty minutes later, you're like, "Are we going to get back to the game? Are you <laughs> going to tell us what your original point is? What the hell is going on?" It's like you just just focus on it, and then you just kind of have it like 
fade. Yeah. <laughs> and just, it ends with, you had to be there. <laughs> yeah, like, it is like, but that was one of our things that uh, we had with it. Yeah. I thought about it, but even then, even when we joked about it, it's like, I don't, I don't want any of that. And I was like, I don't want to go through a 10 hour game and edit out that like, like two minute joke that just so we could put it in there. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got other stuff I got to do. So yeah, no, hundred percent. Uh, days are our days. If, if, if we have a, a memorable story that is conducive for the doing a war story video on, because most of the great stories you can't do a war story on because it'd be 20 seconds. Like, and this happened and so-and-so said, and we, yeah. Our ass is laughing at that, but it is absolutely unfunny if you weren't there. And then, and then the game kept going. Yeah. Um, so the, my worst story videos have to kind of have a lead up and then like a payoff. So most of those, most of our laughs can't work. Uh, if we have a good one, I'll make a worst story video or I'll, I'll share it in something else, but we're never going to record. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And, you know, I really admire that about you, that uh, you're, you're like, you have this philosophy that you're like, even with your YouTube, I'm in this for fun. You were always in it for fun, even with the YouTube, with the sketches and all the things that you do. It's obvious that you're just doing it because you think it's a fun thing to do. And you're not, do do you share this philosophy that as soon as it stops being fun, that you'll just stop doing it? If it, if it stops being fun, I probably won't just immediately stop, but I will, there will be some change okay, of some sort. Yeah. Um, you're not so like you wouldn't be you wouldn't put yourself in a position where you're beholden to something that's not fun because it's more lucrative no and and, it's like if i was wanting to do more lucrative i'd talk about dungeons and dragons like yeah that's people are all like when they're like oh if you want to if you want to make money at this you should do this it's like i want to talk about money or yeah i would and if i just wanted views i would do the five best cleric spells for D and D five E and views would come flying in and I would feel dirty and I would be bored the whole time because that is nothing that I personally uh, feel passionate about. So instead um, when I started my channel and I just had my four year anniversary of it, my very first review is I did cyberpunk 2020. Didn't know how to edit the worst camera with onboard microphone, which was the worst onboard microphone in the history of onboard microphones. And those are crappy to begin with. (laughs) Um, I did it in one take. I had like a post-it note with some notes just kind of scrawled on it. And it was terrible. Of course. Um, I then went later and I I redid the whole thing because the first one was just awful. And, uh, (laughs) but it's like, I wanted to talk about the games that I enjoyed and what I played. And, you usually are not uh, on the tip of anyone's tongue as far as like role playing stuff. Yeah. So like I talk about uh, you know, Call of Cthulhu and uh, Cyberpunk, and right now we're playing some Traveler. You know, it's like I'm I'm playing games that we love. That's what I'm going to talk about. Um, yeah. if, if I if I wanted to do it just because I felt obligated to for money, uh, yes, I would. The I would actually break the the thing i would talk about like D D as if as if that was my passion game or i would start doing reviews for stuff that i haven't personally played which that is to me like one of the things i will not do no me uh, neither because um 
you know, it's like when, well, when Red came out, I was immediately flooded with, and I still get flooded with, um, when are you going to just review Red? And I'm like, once I've got significant time playing. And I'm like, yeah. well, when's significant time? It's like, if you go back and you look at my videos, it'll be like, there's an unboxing for Conan. One year later, a review for Conan drops. Like, mm-hmm. here's my first Traveler video. A year later, my review of the game system drops. So it's like, I I want to make sure that I've actually played this and I, I understand it. If it's a simple uh, game like Kids on Bikes, you can play like a session of it. And you're like, I got this. But yeah. if it's something that's got all of these moving parts to it, something like uh, Cyberpunk, where it's like, you can't even touch a fraction of what this game is about in a session. Yeah. You have to play a lot of sessions and you have to throw it up against a lot of obstacles. You have to watch Cyber Psychosis work this way and you know, you have to see how the combat works. Then you guys have to adapt. You have to see how the combat works once you know how it works and you're doing it right. You're like, oh, yeah, this is sweet versus, you know, the initial time and everybody dies because you didn't know, <laughs> know how to do it uh, exactly. on either side of the screen. Um, that's when I'm ready to do it. But I have a personal beef when I see a lot of reviewers that a product drops and the next day you've got a review up and it's like, and it's either this is the best in the world or this is the worst in the world. And all I get is like, if I know anything about what it is they're reviewing, it's like, it is so clear to me. You have no idea what you're talking about. It, it, it makes me mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. And you see that a lot. I think people try to take, obviously it's like an opportunistic thing. Like there's an interest in this. So let me jump on it. And it feels totally not genuine. And I just, I don't know. I don't want to live that not genuine life in the first place. You know what I mean? And even if it does bring me viewership and stuff like that, I think honestly, at the end of the day, your fan base is going to be stronger if you have ethics and morals and a code. Then they know that they can rely on you for your word. You know what I mean? Oh, man, I would love to say I agree. Theoretically, I do. But yeah, uh, you know, those they will get a, a huge one. And a lot of the times it's it's just that that's, that's what their audience wants. And it's usually people that like to rag on stuff because mm-hmm. people that rag on stuff get very popular on the Internet because that's what's popular on the Internet. And I would I, I don't know, I would I just feel unsatisfied with it mm-hmm. you know when when i do when i do my stuff i do it to have fun that's why you know i dress up when i put on stupid costumes and i talk <laughs> in dumb voices with the, the world's most fake looking mustache and then yeah, people are like i love that I guy it was you he's like he's like the voice of reason i love that guy <laughs> but like when people are like i, I didn't realize that was you. was like how could that mustache <laughs> fool no anyone no no one said like, that for real yeah all the time it's like Groucho what? Marx and that like grease mustache that oh Groucho used to do. People are like, you know, it's not a real mustache. Like clearly, clearly. <laughs> are you going to tell me now that the Cesar Romero Joker has a mustache under his paint? Like that's so funny. How did you not notice? So, and well, a lot of people talk about, they, they either didn't realize it till like halfway through a video because like I'm kind of cutting to them and they've all got their own little shtick that they're doing. And also they're like, if that's the same dude wearing like, a fake mustache and a crappy goatee and a really bad wig. hundred <laughs> percent. It's the same guy. I mean, I don't even Talking. know how they would think that. 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but they might be looking at it at their phones and not really like looking at it. They're just listening. Sure. That's the only way I could believe it is if like, <laughs> like, well, I just listened to you while driving and the, the voices sound different. Like, yeah. Because people ask like, why do you put it in black and white? It's like one, if, if it was in color, it was actually 10 times more obvious that they're all just the same pasty dude sitting in the same room. Yeah. No, I actually yeah, like I that. I like that touch. It's like a nice, like artistic touch. It's like, Hey, it puts your brain in like, Hey, we're in this other universe when the skit is happening. You know, I like that. I like that juxtaposition. I, um, there have been times I've wanted to show a color in them and it's like, Oh, well, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's always going to be black and white. So a lot of times I'll show like the board and like I draw the board out so I can like make it look like they're playing on it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, man, the monochrome just doesn't capture like all the colored pins that went into that or like, the fact these miniatures are painted, but in the black and white, they're just shades of gray that have no detail. Like, <laughs> man, it's not like I'm a good painter to begin with, but they look extra crappy in black and white. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's fun that you do that because honestly, as someone that makes like similar types of videos when you're talking about like concepts, I love the skits that you do. I feel like this is going to sound so stupid, but I feel like you're so brave for doing it. I'm sorry. It sounds so <laughs> stupid just saying it, but I feel that way. It's like, dude, this guy has the balls to like have a concept for a character, four characters, and he puts it together, makes it work, and it's entertaining. What if it was shitty? What if someone hated it? You know, it's just you put yourself out there like that. It's It's very admirable for me. Well, it, it all started with, I had to do one sketch and it was for a video that I have since deleted because it actually wasn't a good video. And mm. it was actually still today, my most popular video. Um, and it was over a concept that we called the 13th warrior. Yeah. And, I remember what this. That is. And I actually want I, that, that one will be in another video because I want to actually really address this problem. But I need to do it properly. Last time I did it, I gave it like two minutes and it's mm. like, and it was actually when I started getting the feedback, I realized like, oh, and it set the foundation. And the first thing you have to do is explain what the hell a theme game is. Mm-hmm. You can explain how a 13th warrior doesn't work if you're doing a theme game. But it came with a skit where I wanted to talk about that the, the 13th where it's all based off the Michael Crichton novel, The Eaters of the Dead, which was based off of the the, the real Ibn Fallad who traveled with some Vikings mixed with Beowulf because Michael mm. Crichton got into a bet that he could make Beowulf interesting. That's the history of that book. <laughs> That's cool. And um, the idea was like, this is a and d game. And the GM's like, I want to play Vikings and we're going to do Viking stuff and drink mead and fight in Odin's name. And yet that one player is like, I want to be an Arab poet that can't fight. Like, <laughs> you not just here with the hell of the game. We're going to deep dive in a Norse folklore. It's where you like really get into it. I want to be an Arab poet and I'm going to have a jumping horse and I can't even speak the language. And it's like everybody else is Vikings. Um, the other thing you would call it would be the Hobbit. You know, that when you had that dwarf campaign and you got 13 players and 12 of them really wanted to get in that, that dwarf culture and lore. And then like this one asshole is like, I want to be a Hobbit. I'm like, what, what's your class? Like, I don't have one. I'm just kind of rich. And I smoke out like, well, we need a burglar. And yeah. the wizard's going to force you to come with this. And like, you're lame. And like the GM just keeps giving you magic items just so you can survive. And uh, once you get the money, you just, you just leave because you didn't have a reason to stick around anymore. So the, the Hobbit is also the same thing as the 13th warrior. Yeah. When you're like, 
everybody thinks that Bilbo's the star. He wasn't the star. Mm-hmm. He was just this, this little jerk that the wizard pulled into. He was the historian. So, <laughs> yeah. So I did I did this first sketch with Todd because I wanted to demonstrate that how that conversation would go. Because my friends and I have joked that conversation for years. Yeah. And at the time I had long hair. So I just dropped my hair down, threw a baseball cap on backwards, pulled out an old Ramon shirt and just, it just talked in like a, a dumb voice. Yeah. And the only part that hurt me when I took down that video is that was the first appearance of Todd. And mm-hmm. that character didn't have a name for a year, but I had so much fun doing it that I just would bring him back for example videos. And then one day I realized I needed him to talk to another player. So that's where Mike and Dweebles came from. And they didn't have names for like the first year. Mm-hmm. There's like videos where I talk, call them player one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And finally, so many people asked what their names were. It's like, shit, I should probably name them since <laughs> they've become a regular thing instead of just one and none. Yeah. So it, 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 the characters and the skits didn't come about because of a master plan, they just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just trying to tell a, to... you're trying to tell stories and you're like, I'll use these archetypes to tell the story better. And it was just like, I just want to show a quick example of what I'm talking about. And then I'll go back to what I'm talking about. And finally it started becoming like this. Well, this is a shtick I do. Yeah. So, but there was never a um, day I sat there and said, I'm going to do this. Now it was it for both the, the three players and Jack, it was like, evidently this is a thing I do. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I especially love the uh, the Edgelord video because, I mean, (laughs) let's just say it, dude, in Cyberpunk, that guy appears a lot, that player, because it's there. Everything is there for that Edgelord. It's literally called Edge Runners are the are the people. Oh, dude, I mean, you know, hell, I was in high school in the 90s, man, the the black trench. Oh, my God. You know, all of that, like, man, that was me. Those are my people. Yeah. And so, which, you know, people are like, have you ever played with somebody like that? I was like, I played in the 90s. I played with groups like that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Everybody was that. We all hated each other. Player versus player conflict was normal. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, that, that video was meant just to be completely just over the top stupid funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Like, because a lot of it I, I said in that was I don't think anything that when people talk about edgelord is actually a unique problem to edgelords. It's just for some reason, when they hit this perfect combination, we call it an edgelord. But it's like, that's really just a combination of like four other annoying things. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's what it is. It's It's someone that doesn't play well with others. That's the actual problem, not the edgelord moniker it's like somebody that's ruining everybody's fun they're sucking the energy out of the room and because they want to live their brooding fantasy of a loner badass that doesn't talk to anybody you know yeah and it's like man that works great in comic books because there's only one character but we got five people in this room so yeah you gotta you gotta share dude and um that one that one was another one that i'm like oh shit people are gonna hate this one uh like when i when i posted it up because it was just so just a stupid video (laughs) (laughs) but that's what's that's the charm behind all your videos is like we all know it's stupid but it's funny like the one uh (laughs) the war story you have about the sword 
I mean, that's just oh, the oh, bonesaw. Oh my god, this is so good. It's so hilarious. I could totally see it happening. It's one of those everyone has those kinds of stories, and they don't have a YouTube channel to talk about it. So that's what I loved about it. It's like this one thing that maybe you didn't think was going to be a big deal. It's just something you came up with while you're taking a shower. You're like, oh, what if the sword can talk or whatever? <laughs> and then it became like the most amazing part of your campaign is this one dumb little thing. Everybody loved the bone saw until the bone saw came back. And all of a sudden it was like this, like, Oh God, just, oh. it's like, guys, you, you talk so highly of the bone saw. It's like, cause it was a memory. Now we have to deal with this bastard again. And we had a lot more fun with him. Okay. But I, I remember when I brought the bone saw back for that second time, it was not met with like, yay, he's back. It was like, oh shit, yep. this asshole. Yeah, like, but that's that's gratifying. <laughs> that's uh, that's really like that's a rewarding thing when you're like, oh my god, this one. Even if the players hate it, it's like I elicited a response from because most things you craft these like amazing NPCs and they're like, ah, I don't give a shit, whatever. But then you make this dumb little sword and they they're just like obsessed with it, you know. <laughs> oh, I said every like I said, everybody loves it if you're not actually playing with it at that moment. Because yeah. once that KPA was done, everybody talked about the bonsai again, like it was the greatest thing. It's like, where the hell was this while we had it? Like, oh, because he pissed me off. And um this, yeah. The bone saw was a complete asshole and moron. He was wonderful. I loved him. My my <laughs> like uh similar character, I had a DD 5e game <clears throat> and the players go into this like enchanted forest where they have to fight this dryad. And before they get there, they encounter this giant golden toad and he has a crown on his head. And he's like, hey guys, my name is Todd. I'm the toad. I'm Todd the toad. And they they all loved it. And this guy, like throughout the campaign, I had him there. He would like break the fourth wall and like talk to the players personally. It's so like, oh, you you fumbled that role. <laughs> And they like loved <laughs> hate him, and then I I was like, what if this toad was like so powerful, like he was like godlike power, but he just didn't care to do anything. He just hangs around. He doesn't use his powers, nothing. But every now and then, he'll shock the players by like single handedly killing the big bad guy by like eating him and saying like, he looked it. He looked tasty, so I ate him. <laughs> it's like. I'm bringing that guy back into my cyberpunk game. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get a big golden toad in there, but I got to find a place for him. Well, here's your hint. What okay. you do is you 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 uh, have that toad be the logo that's on the door of a tow truck. Oh, The genius. driver's got the voice. And it's like this battered up tow truck. It's like got armor plating that's been welded to it because he goes into the combat zone when like combat cabs get and it's a up. big golden like, tow truck too it's like gold solid gold all around it yeah and it's 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 blackened and dinged with bullet holes and he's in there his arm is outside the window which is stupid because you know a bullet could hit him and he's got like a cigar in his mouth he's like hey guys yeah just <laughs> <laughs> and, and then drives away <laughs> yeah 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 just, oh my god the players will flip because it Two of them were in that game, and they talk about it all. They bring it up. Like, I don't even bring it up. They're like, man, Todd, how funny was that? That was great. So it's like one of those things that I I had them, I had Todd in the Enchanted Forest to be like their, I have this thing called an NPC guide, 
where I embed it into the I embed an NPC into the party to be my middleman where I can like tell the players things to give them help or or you know point them in the right direction without taking away the immersion of like we're playing a game you know what i mean so todd that was well, his that's what, the whole, that's what the whole jack the npc is yeah. yeah oh okay perfect so yeah that that's that's what i do that's what his uh functionality was basically but he became such a likable character that i had to make him something more than that you know what i mean yeah, no, i know i didn't like it, it is. I love pulling in a cameo from an NPC from like a previous campaign or previous system, just dropping them into a random role. Um, the one game you were doing D&D and like they were doing these missions for their gods and I made uh, Horus, one of the characters was Horus. And there's only so many god voices I could do. So by the time <laughs> I got to Horus, I'm like, shit, what do I do? And are you familiar with the old kids in the hall show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember kids in the hall. So he talked like chicken lady. Oh shit! What so was... I, yeah, you know, I am Horace, and you know, he just had this weird little voice. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow it ended up with this big joke. He had socks. So like, we were playing cyberpunk later on, and like there was like like this weapon shop they went to. It had like an onk or something like on the sign. They go in there, and he's got like the the big metal hawk head. Mm-hmm. It was like. Hey, everybody <laughs> so they're like oh shit like they're like oh seth is on another one great like, like you 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 brought in like who was their patron in this one and then like uh bonesaw came back he was a cab driver and like the big evil genghis khan bad guy who was the final boss in this one huge campaign they did ended up being this bar owner in this random bullshit town one day. And he would say the same stuff. You know, he had this Antonio Banderas voice and he was just this weird cynic, but at the, and, but in this universe, he's just a bartender. That's in it. Town. <laughs> so I love, well, so yeah, make, make Todd like some random tow truck driver that just kind of swings by. I love the idea of a like combat zone and combat zone, anything. It's like you take a job that anybody would do and no one would bat an eye, but they do it in the combat zone. And all of a sudden it's like a whole new flavor to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think one of the first yeah. things that I loved about cyberpunk was combat cabs. It was like, what if there was this cab company and they're the only ones that go to the combat zone, they charge an arm and a leg, but they have like turrets on the, cab and and like it's got like bulletproof glass and all kinds of stuff i was like oh man this universe is awesome there was it and they stopped making them but i mean you probably found them on ebay there was a a company that made some sort of hot wheels cars like battle cars or something i got one that's the cab it's like a, a, a yellow checkered cab that's got like a minigun strapped on the top oh, that's a so, combat cab you know, i like when I was like in the store and like they had like another was a, is a, a cop car that's got a minigun strapped on. I'm like, sweet Jesus. Like I, <laughs> like, so I bought a couple of them because we use like uh, hot wheels cars for our, our games. Yeah. So like, yeah, I do have a, a combat car cab toy car, but yeah, they probably haven't made them in like 12 years, but yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But I was so proud. It's like, we're going to the combat zone and you see, this and i pull my little toy car and i roll it across the table <laughs> yeah so. so that's see that's the thing man i'm i'm one of those people that's an advocate of like virtual tabletops because the, pretty much if there weren't virtual tabletops i wouldn't be able to play i don't have like an in-person group 
the way that you do. I've played in person with a few people and it's magical. Like there's something special about it when you're in the same room together. But I re- I noticed that there's a lot of resistance from old school gamers, especially those that have like established like we're in person when we play. I think you might be one of those people too. Do you how do you feel about like the whole virtual tabletop thing? And when COVID is done, I cannot wait to sit in the room <laughs> with my buddies again. I know, right? Um, all of us, all of us complain about it because part of the reason that we game is so we can hang out. Yeah. Um, the fact that, like, you know, in virtuals, like you can only talk like one person at a time because we're all sharing the audio channel. You can't have like I'm talking to so and so about whatever their character's doing, and then these two players over here are kind of like whispering back and forth and swapping a book or, or planning whatever their next move is. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really do that. It's pretty much like this is your turn to talk, this is your turn, and they might be able to like text to each other. So all of that is gone. Uh, you know, somebody saying like I made like a gallon of queso, and yeah, we're just gorging on chips. We can't have that. Yeah. Um, so. I'm I'm really looking forward to. It. I've gotten a lot better at virtual tabletops just because of necessity. Yeah, uh, but I really look forward to the day that it is it is no longer my primary way of doing it. Yeah, uh, because it's just not my jam. But also, like, so like this is my game room. I have a whole room to my house just for gaming in. And like this past year, it's just been like a studio slash storage. Yeah, we don't game, uh, at least not in the room. So <laughs> yeah, no, I get it, man, and I totally understand. See, that's the thing. Like, obviously, there's pros and cons with everything. The virtual tabletop thing. There's so many pros as far as you can have beautiful maps. There's dynamic lighting where you move your token, and th- there's like parts of it that it can't see. So you can like you pretty much simulate what video games do. And you kind of marry the two things of like tabletop gaming and video games into this medium, which is virtual tabletops. So that's the cool part about it. But when you're in person and you're sitting across somebody and you're having a conversation with them in game, in character, it's it's totally something else than this like face cam Zoom lifestyle that we all live in, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, occasionally sometimes like, you know, you're internet goes out or you know yeah all, all of that so uh, I, I i use it by necessity and uh, also when I, I do join in like other games because i've gotten to play with like people from across the world now that's freaking awesome yeah but you know i want my i want my in-person gaming again uh yeah yeah, like recently i was like painting some miniatures and i'm like why the hell am i even doing this i haven't played in the same room with people since like February or January so it's like why am Mm. I still painting this crap so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to being done you'll be back it'll be we'll be back to normal I mean it won't be what it used to be but things are not like that I mean we evolve anyway life is different without a pandemic then in a year we'll all be different people you know so I'm optimistic about the whole thing and I think we'll be we'll be back to something I am too. Um, I'm, I'm a little more realist, I think, than a lot of people that are like, this will be over by, by February. It's like, I'm going to give it till July as yeah. my, my minimum. Um, but 
once it once it goes back, I tell you what though, and this is the weirdest thing is is I uh, I will probably exit this pandemic weirdly agoraphobic because mm. um, like my personal space has grown so much. Like, and whenever I, I, I have to go to the grocery store and stuff, like if somebody is in, within eight feet of me, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really tense Yeah, because it's like, heck off, man. You can get your Ritz crackers in a minute. Yeah, like, know. Like, <laughs> oh my God. There's nothing worse than the guy like up your ass at line at the grocery store. You're just like, dude, are you going to rob me? Like, are you trying to feel me I, up? Like, I don't get it. So I, I think when, when, when this is all over, I am going to have to like have that weird transition period of like getting used to being one around large groups of people but two comfortable yeah. whenever there's like a, a lot of people. Cause like, you know, we, we, I won't go to the grocery store. I don't usually go to like eight 30 at night. Cause it's like most people aren't there anymore. And there's, there's definitely no kids. So oh, no. I will, I will go in the evening and quickly, quickly do it. And there's like nine other people in the grocery store and we're all like, sup, I recognize you. You're here every Tuesday with me. Mm-hmm. And then we like systematically do it and are polite. And then like the new guy shows up who just crawls all over you and you're like, <laughs> wait. So I, I, I will have to adjust to that world of like people around me and me not like tensing. Yeah. Um, I, I recently did have a thing where I was like watching TV. There's all these people. I thought it's so odd that it looks odd that none of them are wearing masks. Yeah, that's how you know it was before the pandemic. You're seeing all these people walking around, no masks, hugging each other, kissing each other. A year ago, if if I saw like you know footage of people in Tokyo and they're wearing masks, it's like man, that's so weird. What a weird culture that is. That I know, like walk around a mask. And what's funny is if you read Cyberpunk 2020, he talks about like wearing respirators or uh, so when you, you read like the Night City book and it's like going through and it talks about it's a high smog day, the wearing respirators are like random riots break out. And yeah, then you know, over the summer when you're like looking at Portland, it's like, holy shit, that was where Night City evidently was because we, we, have, we have riots and everybody's wearing a mask and just this every everything is exactly what Pondsmith said that Esther yeah. warned us <laughs> i know man is the the guy's a modern day nostradamus man he predicted so much he got like dumb little things wrong like uh like connecting to things like he didn't think wireless was going to be such a big thing like everything is like hardwire connections but then again that's kind of just like it's indicative like of the collapse happening right at that time you know well, yeah, nobody did. Like, I, there's a wonderful um, thing William Gibson wrote talking about people trying to read Neuromancer now. And it's like, there were no cell phones in Neuromancer. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's the quintessential cyberpunk novel, but as a freaking cell phone, because it was 1984 when he wrote it, mm-hmm. and nobody imagined. Why would anyone want to so, carry a phone around, right? <laughs> It was like that's that's too science fiction, you know. We're not that far in the future. Yeah. yeah. And lo and behold, just a few years later, um, we're we're all walking around with a phone number in our pocket. So I and mean, we're walking around with yeah, a he, computer in our pocket, really now, you know. Oh yeah, I mean my my phone is more powerful than the PC that I used to play like Diablo on in college. Oh like, my god, it's crazy. I, I always think about that of like, man, my my computer that I used to have so much fun to play all these games on is like fraction of what this 
phone in my my pocket does and i drop that thing on the counter all the time and used yeah. to it was like this is my pc i can play command and conquer on it dude and, remember uh, remember calling collect 1-800 collect oh dude there was a warring different collect call yeah yeah there's different ones like, <laughs> yeah I, re- I remember that stuff dude i uh, used to uh i used to call this was like our thing my dad would say call me when you're out of school so i could come pick you up so i'd go to the nearest payphone by school and it would say say your name after the beep and i'd be like dad come pick me up and i'd hang up so he wouldn't have to accept the charges he would just know oh okay i could go pick him. you have a call from dad come pick me up <laughs> it's like just not accept it come I, get me i remember having a pager and thinking that was pretty sweet yeah, it know? was pretty sweet dude 90. you were you were cool all right people don't know now but you were it was pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like in 1996 or so, I was I was pretty awesome. I sported a pager. Um, I, I do remember that I used to be really good at because I had three buttons. Um, it was in my pocket, and because I was I was a smoker, and I was always standing outside some building at the school. You get sucked into conversation with somebody you really don't want to talk to. Yeah, I could like by feel those three buttons to set like a two minute alarm on my pager. Ah, oh, genius! Two minutes, it would go off and be like. Oh shit! I got to take this. I like leave. So that's like the one thing when like with cell phones became all things. Like, man, I I don't have like any way to like very subtly, like. Also, I'm not wearing giant baggy pants like I was. That if like yeah. you just kind of subtly like, boop boop, like two minutes, I'm out of this conversation. So hundred yeah. percent. Oh my god, I remember those. Oh, uh, go ahead and beat me. Imagine that saying that now. Beat me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we're getting, uh, it's already, we should be done by now. I don't want to hold you up too much. I know we've been having conversations. I didn't get to ask you any of the questions that I wrote down. We can go through them, man. I don't care. <laughs> They're all like profound, long ass questions though. Well, I did get to most of them. Uh, let's see. Advice on, uh, oh, I did want to, okay. This, I do want to talk about, um, selfishly because I'm sitting on an Amazon credit and I want to listen to one of your novels. You have written a bunch of fantasy novels. There's the Val- Valdukan series. Is that how you spell or pronounce it? Uh, Valdukan. Valdukan series. And then there's your newest novel, Ashes of Onyx, right? That's your latest one that you've done. And is that a series mm-hmm. or is that just like a one-time, one-shot kind of thing? It's, it's a standalone. Um, okay. So... Are you well? Here's here's the questions. Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to know listening, listening audiobook. Okay, if you want to listen, um, then you want Dameron. That's the first in the Vaulican series. Okay. Uh, my my narrator that I I used for uh, the Vaulican. Then I also have my Black Raven, which is all like fantasy, like pulpy, Valfrin and Green Mouser thief adventures. But um, R.C. Bray is, was my narrator, and we were uh, we got the audio award finalist for best uh, supernatural with Dameron. Mm. He did a fantastic job with that one, and uh, so that is uh, the, the short pitch is it is about monster hunters and their magic weapons, and our heroes got a a magic gun knife, which. A lot of people are like, was that anime? It's like, no, that's actually a, a, a 19th century knife made by a Frenchman named Demontier. That was a historical gun. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know that, really. I, the, my thing is the Final Fantasy VIII Squall having the gun sword thing. That's like my first introduction to a gun knife. 
was they're called um you can look them up cutlass revolvers and mm. my favorite ones were made by a, a, a french gunsmith named uh dumontier is how it's spelled but it's dumontier and um uh when i discovered that i changed the the pistol in the book to this cutlass revolver with this huge blade slung under it because it is badass hell yeah and uh but it's it's a totally real thing <laughs> um, and well, not the magic part and uh th- that is the first in my Valdigan series the series are all standalones so there's four books but, okay like, if you finish the first one and you're like well that's cool but i don't want to keep going you're not like it doesn't end like on a cliffhanger or, I get or, or any of that shit it's like a full novel and we're done but then each novel in that series i change protagonists Mm-hmm. Because they're in the the order of Aldicans as this group of monster hunters. Each of them has a weapon that they are bonded with. So I change who the hero. So they're linear. Like the book two takes place after book one and references it, and a lot of the same characters are in it. It's just our protagonists that we follow switches. So that that would be the one I would start with if you're doing audio. Ashes of Onyx is a weird fiction, like. That's the genre. It's weird fiction. It's somewhere mm-hmm. between horror and fantasy. Mm. And it is about uh, portals and you're swapping worlds. And I've got this horrifically drug addicted sorceress that is, it follows. Um, and it is much better written, mm-hmm. but it isn't uh, one. I didn't have RC Bray for it because uh, uh Blackstone is like, we should have a female narrator because it's a female a protagonist. Female protagonist. Like, mm, makes sense. Like, I guess. Um, <laughs> I liked Artsy Bray. Yeah. And um, that is a very bizarre book because then it goes into Carcosa and the King in Yellow. But and at um, one point, the publisher, like for some reason, or Amazon, somebody listed it in children's books. What? Like, <laughs> The opening line of the book is Kate needed a fix. Like, this is not for kids. <laughs> That's funny, man. Okay, so, so the Valdican uh, series, first book of the Valdican series is what you recommend. All right, awesome. Because I've been engulfed in Warhammer audiobooks. I mean, like, I've, that's all I've been listening to. So when my next credit was coming, I was probably just going to get another Warhammer book. But then I decided, no, let me check out one of Seth's books because it's on here and I want to, and I'll ask you exactly which one was your recommendation. So that's it. The Valdican series, book one, Dameron. Right here. It's got that cool little two dots over the A. That... Yeah, by the way, uh, word, of, word of advice. If you ever write a novel, mm-hmm. do not ever put a freaking umlaut in your own title because <laughs> that causes so much issues with people trying to search for search it. Search for it, yeah. Uh, just, Damn just don't it. do it. I, I put it because I thought it'd be like really cool. You know, like it, it's, it's a. I agree. Uh, it is yeah. cool. I agree. It is cool. But it is unfortunate that we live in the keyword, uh, way of life nowadays. <laughs> so all right. And so, I asked you. Uh, I didn't really ask you this. Why we love the grim dark, uh, stuff. But I think we pretty much answered that. We answered why you don't do actual play videos. We talked about... Actually, we did. We we covered everything. The only thing we didn't talk about is Traveler that I wanted to get into, but I feel like that's just a whole other thing. I know that you're engulfed in it. Stamped man will do it. I know. I know you're totally engulfed in it, and uh, you have, like... It seems like Mongoose is really appreciative of uh, 
the love that you've been given them too and you guys have this like cool relationship with each other right so how how everything with that happened was so uh my buddy matt who lives like halfway across the country from me uh i, I saw him one weekend like I, I drove across the country to see him and he gave me uh, the box set of the new mongoose paranoia. And I, I played that and I reviewed it. It like, I think I like linked mongoose when I, I did the original thing. I put in their tweet. Like, you know, nobody cared cause it's paranoia. And it was like <laughs> a year and a half, two years later, uh, Matt Sprange with mongoose finally saw it. And he's like, Holy shit. Like, <laughs> Like you dressed up as the characters and this is the best review we've ever had. I'm like, well, you didn't say anything for two years. You know, but, uh, <laughs> That's funny. And he's like, I want to, I want to send you this game. And I said, okay, well look, I won't review a game unless I play it yeah. and I'm not going to play it unless I like it. And I think my friends will like it. Like it's like the minimum standard before I review it. Yeah. Is I play, it meets all the stuff that says, am I willing to run my friends through this? But he hit me at this magic moment, which was we had just finished Conan and I did not have another game set up to play. So, uh, but I was done with Conan and then I'd had the sci-fi mood itch. So like he hit me like right when it's like, I'm looking for a game and I'd like something that's sci-fi. And he's like, let me send you traveler. And I had a player used to tell me about that game, but he would always just be like, you should play traveler. And that was like all he'd say. And, and I read it and it's like, this is the first game I've read in a long time, probably ever that hit that same note. The first, like when I first time read cyberpunk, like it just yeah. nailed. Apparently this, it did the same like. thing for uh, Mike Pondsmith. Cause he cites traveler as being one of the biggest inspirations for him. It's, it's very clear. Like when you, when you learn traveler, you're like, it's, it's really clear that the cyberpunk took this as it's, kind of original you know dna and said like okay we're gonna do this with it um it is it they have a lot in common but yeah i just played it i was like well this is freaking awesome yeah but then when i would start i started reviewing it uh mongoose is actually the the they would like they'll put links on their homepage. they'll like make little thumbnails for my videos they want to use my thumbnails to make their own and it's like see says krakowski's thing and like that's so cool uh, man so they're like they're really supportive um and everyone's like it's like so when he sent me those books he's like i have full faith in my product i think i think you like it i'm like okay you know i'm not gonna say no to a free book but i'm not promising you anything yeah and uh just knocked it out of the park because i've been sent other stuff and i'm like uh yeah like, yeah and i and I, I i have only once ever reached out to a publisher and asked for something just because I know that I take a long time to get to my reviews. Yeah. And the only time I did that was for uh, free league alien because I knew I was going to be reviewing it. I was actually already playing in a game. Yeah. So it's like, well, this is going to happen regardless. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I can get some more from them, but with mongoose, they sent me that original one just on the hope that I would fall in love with it. And they nailed it. That's so, so cool. Wonderful, wonderful game. Um, it, really makes me feel like cyberpunk back when we first discovered that 
Yeah, people have cited it as being uh, one of those lethal, unforgiving games, a lot like how Cyberpunk 2020 is. And that intrigues me in itself. On top of that, you're talking about space exploration. I love Star Trek The Next Generation and and Battlestar Galactica. And, and every time I watch a Star Trek episode, I'm like, man, that would be a great D&D campaign arc. Just this whole episode, whatever they're talking about there. So I'm in, I'm super intrigued by Traveler. And you're selling it to be really good. <laughs> like I said, I'm almost done with my how-to series on it. So uh, check out, character creation in that game is a freaking trip. So yeah. that is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like it, but there are always people that have never actually done it. They heard some horror story from a Puffin Forest video or something, and they're like, that's the worst thing I ever heard. It's like he did a horror story. That's no different than he was like, and one day we rolled up D and D characters and Johnny got nothing but threes. Like, you don't base the entire game off of like one freaky, you know, combination yeah. that technically could happen, but yeah. Fine. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun game. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. We're doing a big espionage am across a sector right now. And, um, I enjoy painting the little spaceships because I don't have to draw eyes on them because I'm terrible at drawing faces and or painting faces and eyes. <laughs> so I, can, <laughs> I don't I can do it either. All day. Yeah. And uh, no, it's, it's a hoot. It's, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it, but only for somebody that would like cyberpunk mm-hmm. because it has that, like you do high adventure in space and one bullet will probably kill your ass. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's cool. I love that because like there's stakes to the game, you know, there's stakes to everything that you do landing on a planet where there's like a super killer monster on there, you know, is eh, we'll go to the next one. Forget this planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get those choices. No, it's it's a trip. I understand why it's been around for so long because it's uh, 1977. Oh, wow. That's OG. It came out just a couple months after Star Wars released. Wow. And um, so, of course, here back in the late 70s, if you if you were watching Star Wars like you did because mm-hmm. it was the late 70s. Yeah. And, you know, like the, we don't watch it now. But, um, <laughs> but, but like if you want to do it in a role playing game, like you, you chose Traveler and like a couple of the other the RPG companies tried to. But that one just really hit its niche because it was so strikingly different than anything else that was out there. Yeah. Uh, Cause a lot of those are trying to like copy the D and D formula. They're trying to do that. And and Mark Miller, when he released it, just added its own thing and just nailed it. Um, uh, it's old supplements from like classic original traveler from the early eighties. I can run those using the newest edition for mongoose with like almost no thought. Like, wow. Yes, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way with the. Easy. I feel the same way about the cyberpunk stuff. It's like the same thing. Once we start red, man, I've got a couple of the old Atlas game modules. I'm going to bust out. It's like I don't have to change much in this, no. uh, unless it's talking about netrunners. Like that's the only time I have to change anything, which is good because I don't have to do that stupid little. I know, no netrunning board thing. Oh my god, netrunning is so good now. I'm telling you, as somebody <laughs> that's played it, it's so amazing. Everything is great. I, I like my number one advice to you for making things work is corporations. Their power has diminished significantly, and nomads, their power has increased significantly because everything went to shit. 
and the corporations collapsed. So all these corporate zones where everybody was supposedly safe now are combat zones. And the nomads are left there saying, like, see, we told you guys all this city life, it's an illusion, it's bullshit, it can be taken away like that. And now everybody's begging the nomads to help them survive. So it's like this cool yeah. juxtaposition where the nomads are, they're like literal sna snail mail. They're like getting messages across because the net is destroyed. Or they're making sure vital shipments of food and water are getting interstate lines and stuff like that. And corporations are just scraping by. They're desperate. They're trying to get things going. So take any of those modules and, and kind of flip that. And that's what the time of the red is. Uh, there's also this one, there is this one adventure from a game called Cyberspace. I have never played oh, Cyberspace yeah. in my freaking life. It has such good art, uh, though. Such good art. And it was, it was this adventure pack called Edge On. And it's where the characters have to break into a TV station to steal their fall lineup to give to their competitors. They Ooh. have ripped off every element of this adventure many times but i've never actually run the adventure like mm. every facet i've stolen i've stolen the floor plans many times but it's like i'm gonna run that adventure using red because it is perfectly runnable with with red so yeah because i i just i after i got the, the red book i like kind of went through I was like can i do edge on with this or whatever that one was like studio 69 or something uh it, but if you ever find a PDF, Edge On by uh, Cyberspace, mm -hmm. and it is, like, I think, the first adventure in there, uh, I will eventually run that once we start Red Up. Sounds good. That and... requires traveler ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if you need uh, somebody to bounce ideas off of or, you know, there's, like, some nuances in the core rulebook that you can read that like are in, in between the lines. And honestly, I realize like, I just got to forget everything that I know about 2020 because it's poisoning my understanding of red. So that that's another I, piece of advice I would give you is just like kind of go at it fresh. I, I am actually very curious to see how my, my players will react because three of my players are, are serious CP 2020 vets, yeah, like hardcore vets. And then two of them, never played it before all they know about is this video game yeah so and it's like you know because like they'll talk about it's like oh it's like this it's like this game will eat you alive you know, like, yeah like <laughs> so like oh it looks like it'll be so much because i had one player talk about like he was he didn't like the the fragility that they had a traveler it was like you know it's like it's just it'd be so easy to die blah blah, blah. i was like why don't we try that cyberpunk thing he's like oh child <laughs> like, yeah man you know nothing of what you're talking about oh, that's if you funny. think cyberpunk is the safe place to go but um well they, yeah, made, they definitely thought... made red a little more user-friendly in that essence but i feel like they did a good job of keeping the lethality in it but uh i uh I'll see. I, I understand all of those changes. I I mourn a few of them. Yeah. I mourn the fact that we don't have all of the calibers. Because um, like used to, you could go through Morgan Blackhand's book. Yeah. And so 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 gun nuts today. Like there's been the nine millimeter versus forty five caliber debate that's been going on since like I think the Colt forty five came out in nineteen eleven or the yeah. the, the, the Colt nineteen eleven came out. So it's been going on for a hundred years. And it's just as fierce today. We would have those discussions about cyberpunk. Of yeah. like, 
what's best? Do you want like the 10 millimeter? Or do you want the 11? Because the 11 or was it the 12 is like does 3D6, but this one does 2D6 plus three. So you get a higher minimum, but it's smaller. So you might be able to get two shots around, but this one does more. Like we would have these talks. Yeah. Like, like people in real life do. And like now it's all like, this gun does 2D6, this one does 3D6, the heavy ones do four. That's like it. Like, oh man, we'd like really get into like, all like but this one gives you two shots around versus this one gives you one and all the teeny yeah. customizations those are gone and i understand why i miss the hell out of them yeah um, what i will say is that's definitely one of the biggest uh controversial points about red is people say it's like oversimplified if you read between the lines and you get all i can say is give it a shot because if you give it a shot I'm going yeah to you're gonna it. give it a shot but i mean for anybody else that's <laughs> listening that saw that it the they did sacrifice some realism to make a more balanced game and i can tell you that it's completely balanced like there's nothing in the book that is broken everything is meticulously put there even the economy and how much money you make how much you pay for rent everything is like done as a purpose and on top of that from the word from Artel Sorian is they got the first supplement that's coming out is going to be called Black Chrome which awesome name is going to be covering s- some aspect. So we don't know exactly what it's going to be. They can't tell me anything. James Hutt the game designer said call me in 2 months I'll come on your podcast we'll talk about it. But for now he just said just wait that we got it. we had to make the core rule book and then we got stuff that has to do with weapons and all that stuff after so i trust them on that point i i I absolutely trust i i I like the way it's laid out it is a lot easier than uh 2020 was basically my only gripe that i have i'll get over it is i miss hit locations Mm -hmm. that also slowed the game down when you had to roll all the hit locations yeah it is it is a it gets a weird little bug in my craw about the fact that um, if you get an armor jacket that somehow armors your head automatically it's yeah. like i am i am instantly overruling that i was like guys if you want to buy a little helmet for your character buy a little helmet for your character mm-hmm. but if you don't want to walk around with a sweet sweet mohawk you aren't going to armor your freaking head mm-hmm. because and 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 also cyberpunk there was a debate you had to have if i do I want to armor my head or not? Yeah. Or do I care about my wardrobe and style and, and, and looking cool? And that was, that was part of the balance. So when, when red is like armor just kind of goes to your head, but you have to declare if you're going to go for the head, it's like, uh, uh-uh. yeah, don't armor the head unless you want to have an armored head. And now that they can declare the head, it's actually even better because you don't have that random headshot, take your character out. Mm-hmm. But that's my one gripe that I that I have about it, and that's a pretty tiny thing in the grand scheme of reading an RPG. If, if I think I, say uh, one thing. I think your gripe will disappear as soon as you hit your first critical injury, because that's supposedly oh, I, that, that's what's like replaced hit locations is critical injuries, and um, no, it's like it's like your leg is blown off and all that. Like I've seen, yeah, those yeah, and they're, it's they're wonderful, amazing narrative, and like it adds debuffs. Like there's one that's called foreign object, so it does five damage to your HP, ignores your armor. All critical injuries do that, and on top of that, if you move more than two squares, you automatically take another five damage to your HP. 
So because you have this foreign object inside you. And then next round, you got a broken leg. And it's like all these things are piling up. And you have this amazing narrative story where like this guy's lung collapsed, that guy's got a cracked skull, and it's it's insane, man. But yeah, anyway. Oh god. I'm looking forward to it. It's such a it's just such a I'm also looking forward to because I, I think they just hit like Adamantium or some Yeah, they hit Adamantine. They hit him Adamantine. On uh, uh, drive through. And I'm looking forward to it because it it has been a long time since there has been a powerhouse RPG that was not D&D, at least kick down the door that dramatically because it's had all the hype with the video game coming. So a lot of people that are not familiar with the old one want to check it out and see what it is. But I'm also looking forward to like that one, the group of people that get to experience a skill-based game and, and all the things that the cyberpunk and, and games in that style can do. But then the, the number of people, it's like clutching their pearls, wondering where their clerics and healing potions are. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's no healing. The Thunderdome, man. Like, it's like, you got to go to a hospital for weeks. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, well, I got a bullet. We got the thing. It's like, so do, do I sleep and get healed? No. No, dude. It's like, well, well how much does it cost to get healed? Probably all your money. Yeah, and probably everything you got. Killer addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's what we love, man. But yeah, I can't wait for you to try out Cyberpunk. And uh, dude, seriously, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. You're a legend and you're one of my biggest inspirations. So, I mean, just the fact that you accepted was a big deal to me. So I really appreciate you coming on, man. This is fun. I just love bullshitting with you. <laughs> dude, we'll do it again. Like, I'm talking to the audience like, oh yeah, we're recording. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were recording that's the whole time. Shame. I know. That's why I like pre-recording because it doesn't feel like we there's no pressure. We can just say whatever we want, you know, and edit later if we have to. But so far, nothing bad. We did good. <laughs> oh. I know. Your, your career is still <laughs> intact, Seth. <laughs> So definitely, I'll have you back on anytime you want, man. You have an open invitation to any of my games. I know you're not into virtual tabletops, but if you'd like to play... Oh, joining them is different than running them. I, I will be very clear on that one. If I, if I ain't got to run it... Well then, hey, story. man, let's make it happen. <laughs> I'll definitely invite you. I'll let you know when we're going to have a game. And if you have time, you're more than welcome to come on as like just a chill character. doesn't have to be such a big deal kind of thing. And you can play. Shoot me a message on Twitter. Um, if you aren't doing like uh, weekends, if it's weeknights, I'm absolutely going to still sometimes. It's weekends. Life. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> this exact time that we did this podcast. So if that works you for you. You skipped a game to talk to me? Yeah, I did. <laughs> we actually just wrapped up our campaign arc. So it's a perfect time okay. to skip a game. So next. Yeah, it would be your bail say sorry guys you can't play I'm, I'm interviewing a dude like oh man dude a dude they know who you are Seth they know how it, what it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just a dork with a fake mustache and a camera man that's all I am but you know what you're our dork and we love you Seth <laughs> <laughs> alright Seth before we leave I want to make sure that we plug everything Seth Skorkowski on YouTube on um, uh, you can also find his novels on Audible Amazon the Valdican series, Ashes of Onyx, those are his two novels. You also have another series that I've, I, the name is escaping me, right? Isn't there another one? 
Tales of the Black Raven. It's That's pulpy it. short story collections. So okay. my novels are The Valdican and Ashes of Onyx. And uh, the, the pulp stuff is a lot of my early stuff. And I'm trying to emulate that 1930s thing. So okay, I usually recommend it because it's like going through the tropes like a checklist on purpose. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm going to have a fin fatale. And damn right, she's going to have red hair because they always have red hair. Hell so. yeah, dude. <laughs> Are you going to be doing a podcast? I'd love to listen. Um, I don't do any podcasts, mostly because the, the channel just sucks up all my time. Of course. Um, I will I always do like interviews like this. I don't turn them down because sure. they're fun. Sure. But um, yeah, after that, like, I'm on Twitter, S. Skorkowski. That's pretty much it. Like, all right. If you follow me on Facebook, it's pretty much the exact same thing as my Twitter. Not even as much. My Facebook's more boring than my Twitter because my mom's not on there. So I can talk <laughs> more openly on Twitter. That's funny. That's great. Well, uh, I can't wait to hear your opinion on Red and how it goes. Uh, and yeah, I'll love, I'd love to have you on on the podcast sometime in the future, anytime you'd like. All right, Seth, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. It was a pleasure. All right, guys, we're going to do the outro music. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Make sure you subscribe and you like and you do all those beautiful things that you guys do. All right. Have a good one. Bye.